The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like of seeing your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am one of two hosts of the pod. My name is Steffi. And before we bring on the other co-host of this podcast, we got to do some housekeeping. So if you're interested in following the pod, we're at Diva Dailies Pod on Twitter, slash X, Instagram, and on threads and you can also email us divadailiespod at gmail.com but now it's time to bring on the other co-host of this pod jamaican horns it's angie hello everybody and hello angie how you doing doing good our whitney elizabeth nippy houston journey is ending ending today. today yes Oh my gosh, you guys, it's so sad. Are you are you sad about this? I am sad. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we talked a lot about Miss Whitney Houston. I can't believe we've had four weeks of Whitney on the pod. Listen, and those were some lengthy episodes, you guys. They were. We gave you guys some substance, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're gonna end it with some more substance. But yes, we got to bring it home. That was those were some meaty episodes, okay? Well, I think before we get into the rest of the episode, we got to do a little bit of listener feedback. Let's do that. Janet. Okay, so we are backed up a bit with some listener feedback. Um, We're not going to be able to get through all of them because this, once again, is a bit of a long episode. But let's just read a couple. I, I was thinking maybe we could read some from people that we haven't read their feedback before yet so this comes from Aaron on Instagram and this is about I believe the first part of the my love is your love episodes he said another great episode one thing I find funny about I learned from the best is that Clive Davis was like Diane got edgier after he heard the song laugh face emoji and to be honest, I find Missy super hit or miss when she's writing slash producing songs for other people. The Whitney songs on My Love Is Your Love are okay at best. In Your Business is a bit of a bop, though. Say Yes is a skip, though. <laughs> it's okay. If I'm the only one with taste, it's it's all right, you know? Well, well. <laughs> but thank you, Erin. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Aaron and I have been talking quite a bit on Instagram. He has some very funny Diane Warren knowledge. Like he was sending me like, you need to watch this video. You need to watch this video. It's really funny. So shout out to Aaron. Also shout out to Aaron. Um, Hopefully I can read his full story on a future episode. But Miss Ginger Spice, Jerry Hallowell recently did a book tour and he went to one of her book signings. Oh, nice. Okay. You're going to be itching to, to say that one on a pod. I know, Aaron, your time is coming. <laughs> yes. Then we have an email from 
Alan. Okay. And the title of the email is The Whitney My Love Is Your Love Track by Track Review. Okay, so he said, Hi, Steffi and Angie. I've been listening to Diva Dailies for a little while now as someone who loves the divas, 90s, 2000s R&B music in general, and Mariah Carey in particular. And I really enjoy the deep dives that you do into some of my favorite albums. I'm writing because I really like your recent My Love Is Your Love track by track and love to hear some strong opinions. I've listened to this album since it came out, and it's my favorite Whitney album in spite of her vocal cracks. I was really interested in your top tracks and the ones you didn't like as you both had different views to me. For example, Get It Back is an album highlight for me, particularly the breakdown with the strings about halfway through. And I Was Made to Love Him was always a complete skip for me, and I often end my album listens with You'll Never Stand Alone. I was also surprised that you enjoyed Heartbreak Hotel so much because I've always found it a bit boring, disrupting the momentum between It's Not Right and My Love Is Your Love, though I loved hearing the story of how the song came to be. I wonder if my perception is affected by the fact in the UK, which is home for me, Heartbreak Hotel was only released as a dance remix EP in Christmas 2000, following on from the greatest hits. I never realized how big the song was in the US. Glad to hear the appreciation for Until You Come Back, though, because I always adored that song. And I agree that the Chicago horns on I Learn From The Best are far too much. Anyway, thank you for the podcast excellence that you both create and provide. Sorry for the essay, and I look forward to the message. All the best, Alan. And he's Onyx Vinyls on Instagram. Oh, my. So, Angie, a fellow vinyl fan. Yes, but. Oh, look, Angie's processing your thoughts, Alan. I'm shook about Heartbreak Hotel. Like, yeah. What? What? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is like quite literally one of the best tracks on that freaking album. Wow. Wow. See, I think a lot of this really has to do with like where you're, you know, obviously the success of that song in the U.S. is very different from the U.K. Like I didn't even know right. like it wasn't really released as a, a single formally. Well, yeah, I mean, I it's like I, I can understand that because R&B wasn't such a huge thing in the U.K., like that Mm -hmm. the dance pop singles were doing huge um at the time in the uk Mm -hmm. so i can understand the dance remix blowing up but just i mean that is just oh my goodness that was that that's that's a tough one for me wow um i'm still processing okay (laughs) i'm still processing you know We're, we're gonna see how yeah how well i do um as the intro progresses yeah you know i i wonder um because you know aaron who we just read his dm from he kind of continued on with his message here and he was like it's a shame the album kind of falls off after the first five tracks because it really had potential imagine whitney doing a uk garage inspired track on the album hmm. so i think it just like really depends like where you're from like what you would have wanted yeah from the artist at the time you know but i feel like heartbreak hotel universally it's just that track. Yeah. That's that's a that's a hard one for me. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Thanks, for Alan. Right again. Thank you, Alan, for writing in. Yeah. We will check out Onyx Vinyls. Yes. Let's see. Looking at the time. Okay. Let's read from our buddy Jasmine. All right, let's do it. 
Okay, Jasmine said, Hi, Steffi and Angie, Jasmine here. In regards to Get It Back, when you go to Genius Lyrics for a song, at the bottom of the page, the credits are usually there for the entire song. Producer credits, songwriting credits, background vocals, etc. On that page, it has a lady named Charlotte Gibson listed as the only one doing the backgrounds on that song, but I could definitely hear the Brandy similarities in her voice. Oh my goodness, Steffi and her oh yes commentary. I am so shocked. I was so (laughs) sure that was going to be one of your faves. Boy, was I wrong, LOL. We didn't get sensual Whitney often, but when we did, it was subtle and she made it work. I think the only other times are maybe on Feel So Good and Far Enough. You could probably throw Dancing on the Smooth Edge in there as well. With Oh Yes, I definitely think the chorus and the cadence of the song are what makes it so good. I love the Latin feel of it and reminds me of Mariah's My All a little bit. She was floating on this track. Steffi, oh yes, being to you what Technocumbia is to Angie. It's not sitting well with my spirit. Let's fix this, ladies. When it comes to I learned from the best, I never thought about how David Foster might not have known what to do with Whitney's voice at that time until you both pointed it out. I think I just always took him working with Whitney again as another great moment between this amazing singer and this amazing producer-songwriter, and I just kind of left my thoughts there. I get what you guys are saying in that maybe he just wasn't used to that particular Whitney vocal style, and that's why the song came out the way it did. The production isn't bad, but it could have been better. I also agree with I Was Made to Love Him not being one of her most mentioned covers, but it is one of my personal faves. Her ad-libs and runs on that song are so good. All in all, I really do enjoy this album all the way through. I don't love every track, but it's one of her albums that I can definitely sit through. Thank you both for another great episode and for offering new insight to this album. I can't wait to hear the next episode. Yeah, thank you for that. Thanks, Jasmine. And you guys got to understand, Steffi really doesn't, (laughs) she doesn't like the super sexy tracks often, especially if there's going to be like a little moan here and there or like, no, she's not, she's not going to lean into that. No, 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 no. No. I feel like, oh yes, definitely. It's giving moaning. It's, it's giving sensual. It's like, it's all of those things. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> next, <laughs> um, let's let's read this email from Teddy. OK, because this is about my love is your love. So the title of the email is oh, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Teddy says, hello, girls. I was listening to your part two track by track from my love, and it was very educational. I have to say with the song. Oh, yes. Didn't like oh it. Oh, my gosh. Haters. Oh. Haters on I'd the have podcast. to listen to the song completely to really judge it, but I can never get into songs if I don't like the relationship the artist is in. Mm. Interesting. Okay. For example, I'm sure Jay-Z is a lovely guy, but Beyonce's freaky songs always turn me off because I'm thinking of her with Jay. Fair. Like I can't. Fair. Anyways, keep up the good work. Love your podcast. P.S. I'm currently listening to the albums of my fave Y2K songs, and thanks to you guys, I've added my love to my list. Hey. That, I mean, that makes total sense thank you teddy yeah that's a very interesting way of thinking about the song like i think about a love song if you don't like the relationship that the artist is in at the time being like i either accept this yeah. or i don't that makes sense hmm. mm-hmm. okay yeah that's fair it is fair i will take that because if you're thinking about bobby brown um in that context gross and that was me that was me with oh yes yeah that was me with oh yes but see you were so masculine i oh god fucking hell i'm still thinking about robin oh i'm thinking about bobby we gotta try and make this work because you remember that 
that interview that she did. She's like, you know, Robin, she, you know, she's a masculine girl. She's, you know, she, yes. She says she's very tall and <laughs> statuesque. <laughs> and then I love the part where she's like, she plays like a man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. So masculine. And then Katie Couric is like, because she plays basketball, mm-hmm. that's why people think she's a lesbian. Yeah. And then Whitney's like, I don't know. And then she's like, but she's the best damn basketball player. I've ever seen. <laughs> We're like, what? How do we? Okay, we we got here. Okay. I'm like, okay, Whitney. Um, in my mind, she is singing that to Robin. That's it. That's Angie. In my mind, she's singing it to Bobby. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, exactly. Yikes. <laughs> Let's read this email from our buddy Nicole. I'm really trying to clear our inbox here. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is from Nicole. Okay. Nicole said, hi, Stephanie and Angie. This is your bestie, Nicole. Back with another review. Dot, dot, dot. Again. Cue the theme music. Just kidding. Just kidding. I have been trying to catch up with episodes since I am behind because, you know, life be lifing. I recently listened to the first part of the Amy Winehouse episode and now it makes me want to listen to her albums. Hmm. Look at that. Look at us. You're welcome, Amy Winehouse Estate. Um, Amy Winehouse definitely is influential in the recent British pop scene with people like Adele being in the forefront. Side note, Nas liking Amy was random as hell, lol. And ha ha ha, the shade of divas having shorter albums, Steffi. Listen, I love I love short albums. Listen. Nicole said, I'm halfway through your 100th episode special edition. And yes, I hope you guys do the rap girlies like Lil' Kim, Queen Latifah, etc. And to Angie, yes, and to doing a possible Phyllis Hyman episode. What is your top five favorite songs from her? For me, it will always be Living All Alone, You Know How to Love Me, The Answer Is You, Old Friend, and Complete Me. Wow, I need to catch up. Ha ha. She busted out some hitters. Other than that, good work as always, ladies. Okay. Thanks, Nicole. All right, Nicole. All right, hold up. Phyllis Hyman, yes, we should absolutely do a Phyllis Hyman episode. But my top five, uh, you're putting me on the spot. Number five, Hurry Up This Way Again. Um, I'm going to say in no particular order. Hurry up this way again. Mm-hmm. Bet you by golly wow. I f- mm, Meet Me on the Moon is probably my all-time favorite Phyllis Hyman record. Oh, Somewhere in My Lifetime, I Found Love. Those are my top five. With a special shout out to This Too Shall Pass because she sounded so sad and hopeful at the same time. Um, but clearly that's not the case um, in her situation, but my top five loved your top five. About to bop those right now. All right. Well, <laughs> thank you, Nicole. <laughs> thank you, Nicole. And then I just want to say a special shout out to Scott. He sent me like a voice message. I don't know if he wants me to play that voice message. I'll double check and ask if okay. he'll be okay with it. But it was basically like him saying he's very proud of our podcast and he thinks it's really really good and he learned a lot about Whitney Houston even though he is a Whitney Houston stan so he's getting something out of it nice and he also said that more people should be listening to our podcast so period boom yes thank you Scott thank you Scott for the big ups yes it's always like nice when we hear from people who are just like big up in us it feels it feels really good it feels like all of our work is not in vain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
It's nice. So thank you, you guys. And thank you, everyone, for indulging me, enabling my Whitney obsession for the past four weeks. Because I was very nervous that people would be like, I don't want to fucking hear about Whitney Houston for four weeks. But people were like, yeah, four weeks. We're good. So thank you. Absolutely. And shout out to you because the editing on these past episodes have been immaculate. Okay. Oh. Immaculate. Thank you. Hidden it. Well, I mean, when it's Whitney, you know, I always try to put my best foot forward you be doing extras on a whitney episodes for sure see when i like you i'll work a little harder not say like (laughs) i don't work hard but i'll work a little harder for your episodes yes go back to the the three-part episode whitney houston episode that i premiered on and go listen to the editing of those episodes too because they were spot on spot on well we try Mm -hmm. we try for elizabeth yes well i think with that It's time to get into the actual episode so we can... Oh, wait. Disclaimer. I mention a woman named uh, Mickey Howard Mm. because I'm talking about a story regarding Mickey Howard. It's not Mickey Howard. It's Mika Paris. Mm -hmm. So when you hear Mickey Howard, just know that's wrong. It's Mika Paris. Apologies. I got the Mickeys and the Mikas mixed up. Okay? So disclaimer on that. But um, yeah. Enjoy the last part of Whitney Houston's My Love Is Your Love. It was made with a lot of love and time. So we really hope that you enjoyed these past four weeks. So here we go. A bit I have here too is like in terms of talking points, if you watch a lot of Whitney interviews, she always talks about like being a mom Mm. during this time, which is, you know, it makes sense because this is her first studio album, technically her first solo studio album being a mom. So I just, I love hearing Whitney talk about Bobby Christina. You are a delightful mom, I hear. You're, I can't imagine Whitney Houston (laughs) carpooling, but I hear you do. I do. You do. I do. Was first day of school hard? Yes. Was it it hard to take her and then wait and see how she's going to adjust. Well, you know, her first day, she was just, Mama, just wait just five minutes. I said, okay. So I stood around. She said, okay, Mama, just wait just five more minutes. Okay. She said, Mom, just can you stay? <laughs> I said, no, Chris, although I'd love to. I, 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 I would really like to, but I can't. So I went out. She said, okay, just stand outside the window so I can see you. Because her window is right there in the front of the school. So I said, okay. And, she, and her dad and myself were standing there, and I was going like this. No, my baby. <laughs> I was crying like a big baby. I was Why? standing there crying because I didn't want to leave her. As much as I knew I had to, mm-hmm. I didn't want to. Also, this is the era when Whitney is saying like, diva, 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 yeah, like yeah. all the time. Yeah. Because this is the era of the diva, you know? Like we've right. been saying there's Mariah, there's Janet, there's Madonna, yeah. there's Celine, there's Tony. You know, women, we get this other thing. We, we, we get the diva title. We don't get the genius title. But they're all... Geniuses, you ladies, I love you. <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight to become a diva. It takes years, it takes maturation, it takes training, it takes getting your chops together, it takes knowing how to command an audience, and it takes being gracious, you know, and still being nice in the midst of all the madness, you know? And at this time, too, because women were so dominant in the music industry, that title was sometimes, depending on who was asking the questions it could be used as like a negative or it could be used as a positive but over time it was usually used as a pejorative another another description which people throw at you is diva 
Mm. There's that word. So you have so many interviews of Whitney being asked, like, what does it mean to be a diva? And do you like being called a diva? So she addresses her divaness, right. I guess you could say. You've been labeled. We talked about this last time. You've been labeled as a diva. And yeah. people have the impression that when you are, that that means you're very difficult to get along with. That you're saying... That is, you, that's it, not what diva means, though. That is not. No, no. Diva is like you're the, the cream of your crop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that you are. Thank you. That you are. <laughs> a huge part of the era is the My Love Is Your Love tour, which started in June of 1999 up to November of 1999. And she actually did more shows in Europe compared to North America. And the tour did so well in Europe that she ended up having to extend the tour. So she ended up doing 47 shows in Europe mm -hmm. compared to just 20 shows in North America. Yeah. And in North America specifically, she was playing in theaters and not arenas because they wanted the show to feel more intimate. Yeah. And because of that, she was usually at a venue for two nights. An interesting tidbit I found was that her tickets were like about $150, which at that time, not many acts had ticket prices that were like over a hundred yeah. so she was one of the few that could be over a hundred dollars mm -hmm. but it's just like so wild to hear that now considering yeah. how expensive tickets are <laughs> but yeah the my love is your love tour is like really huge and instrumental to the era because it helps tremendously with album sales uh, something that i learned when doing the research is this album did a lot better in europe compared to the u.s and it is largely because of this tour. And in 1999, this was the highest grossing arena tour in Europe. So Period. you still got it. Can you imagine being in Europe and getting Janet and then Whitney? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Damn. Here I come out and I'm, I, I open my show with a blast. It's like a very up-tempo song from the new album. And I have on this Dolce and Gabbana outfits with the green and the yellow and the, all the colors are flashing and my hair is different and, and you know, but people are loving it. They love it. They love to see that you can reinvent yourself and come back and kick butt. I think a large piece of the puzzle that we have not talked about yet in regards to My Love Is Your Love is Whitney and Mariah. Were you a little in, <laughs> Were you a little intimidated though? I mean, when you walked in the room with the voice? I didn't know what to do because <laughs> you know, who knew that we would get along? I mean, people didn't know. You never know when you meet yeah. somebody who's yeah. going to who you're going to click with. When we got there together, we it was like magic. We yeah. clicked. We talked, we laughed like old girlfriends. We did. Really? You really? Really? Whitney and Mariah. This is what you believe was the lead single and that's Whitney Houston's duet with Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they were really banking on this moment, on the coming together of Whitney and Mariah on a track wow. for the first time. Big, big news, duet with Mariah Carey on I there. did a duet with Mariah Carey, yes. Big we news! Did. Yes, we did. Mariah and I have never had rivalry problems. We've never had any confrontation whatsoever. It's always been good vibes. And this is what made this record really work. And we had a great time together. We became friends. So, I mean, it's true. I wouldn't tell you anything else, really. Yeah, but it's they true. acted like it was, you know, the coming together of world powers. Yeah, like, it was you like, know. you know, Russia and the United States coming together. Yeah, doing a duet on doing the new a duet. album. Doing a duet on the album. It was actually a bit of an underwhelming result in the U.S. It debuted at number 51 on the Billboard Hot 100 and peaked at number 15. You know, Clive knows what he's doing. 
Clive is Clive Davis, CEO of Arista Records, who saw to it that following the bluster of When You Believe, Whitney's much-hyped duet with Mariah Carey from The Prince of Egypt, next came two street-savvy singles, intended to herald the arrival of a new Whitney. And at the time, I think it makes sense why it didn't do well, because it's not an instant radio-friendly bop. Mm -hmm. Like, this is very much like a soundtrack. ballad. Yeah, it's yeah. like a soundtrack song, so mm -hmm. it's not gonna, like, perform well in the midst of, like, hip-hop and right. pop R&B. But yeah. I think it aged well, Absolutely. because I feel like this is more of, like, a legacy mm -hmm. music kind of song. Yeah, It's just really nice that they were able to have this moment together. Um, Setting up Whitney Mariah, there was this long time dueling divas narrative that was built up over the years. Now, everyone I, th I know has has thought that this was a big rivalry between the two of you. You certainly uh, have put that to rest. Yeah, what I think we have. Well, it was always drama. People always, you know, you know dramatics, dramaticing, dramaticing. <laughs> Don't you think it so annoys me because they only say that about women. They never they say it about Ted Koppel and Dan Rather are. How you know, few? Can't yes, beauty. You know never. Saying? No, they don't. No, they don't. Just, just the ladies, you know. Yeah, sexist, but, but what are you going to do? It's pretty standard. But then let's talk about how they promo the hell out of this song. Yeah. <laughs> so Whitney and Mariah go on Oprah and they perform together live for the first time. And it's very exciting. Oprah's excited. You're excited. I'm excited. We're all excited for history. For the first time performing together on television on the Oprah Winfrey Show. Please welcome Whitney Houston. And it's also very interesting too because Whitney and Mariah, they perform live individually. So Mariah performs I Still Believe. Whitney performs I Learn From The Best. But what I find really cool about this moment is you see them watching each other mm. because Mariah's kind of sitting behind Whitney as she performs and then Whitney's sitting behind Mariah as she performs. So you're just like watching them watching each other and you're like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, they get interviewed together by Oprah. To me, a diva, for me, a diva has a certain amount of humility about her who kind of sets precedence on how to be a diva. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there are some, no, there are some divas that are not divas. I'm sorry. That's true. That's true. Really? And I've ran into a few of them, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they're not nice. You know, to me, like, um, you know. Gracious. Yes, gracious and kind and always willing to say how you're doing. And, and doesn't it mean, though, that does it mean that you have to be at the top of your, your game? Absolutely. The top, the top. Absolutely. But you can be at the top and not be, be a diva. You can write a book about it. You well, can you be, be could. a diva. You could. You could. Because there are some divas who were at the top years ago and they're still gracious divas. and nice as divas, divas and legendary divas, yes. but they might not be divas all the day. Okay, so are you a diva all the day? <laughs> Okay. I love that. So would I you be, that. Mariah, yeah. are you in the diva category? But the diva what? <laughs> you know which, when which to say all the day. All the day. Diva all the day. You are the diva all the day. all the day, that must make me a diva all the day. Diva line all the day. This is a diva on television. Oh, diva television. Whitney is starting to promote My Love Is Your Love. And at this time, Mariah was actually promoting her number ones album. Yeah, yeah. And then after Oprah, they do VH1 video countdown. As the countdown continues, at what number, ladies? 
Um, you know? I have no idea. What I don't know, and neither We really haven't been counting <laughs> on the real. I don't know, and neither does she. <laughs> and this is a show where, you know, you count down music videos, and they did this together. We asked Whitney to take us back to her first music video experience. <laughs> Mine was directed by Orson Welles' son, Michael. It was? Yeah, isn't that... Was that you? Which video was that? You, you give your love. love. I hated my first video. <laughs> Bless you. No, oh wait, I did a video and then for some reason everybody, I guess the guy had me like wearing a bra and stuff and like looking a little sexy and the record company didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, <laughs> so then they shot another one and uh, you know, pretty standard. They like that. You know, not my Were you favorite. fully clothed and everything? Oh yeah, ever since then I was fully clothed until <laughs> the last album. I remember watching this interview when I was first becoming a stan being like, oh, I really like it because I just thought they had good chemistry and it was just right. nice to see Whitney and Mariah together. But on Twitter, <laughs> this interview goes viral every couple months because this interview, along with pictures from the MTV VMA 1998 red carpet. They look good. They, they look like a lesbian couple. They do. They do. <laughs> And I love it. Oh my god! Did you catch the vibe immediately? Oh, absolutely. Especially because Whitney not. is like looking at places. Miss Ma'am, keep your eyes up, off oh the god. boobs. Yeah, because Mariah's <laughs> in a dress. She looks very like feminine, and then like Whitney has either a pantsuit on or like a vest. <laughs> she looks more tomboyish, and even the way that they're sitting. Yeah. I never picked up on that until like Twitter started to like oh, really no. analyze this mm -hmm. because like Angie said, there's definitely there's moments where Whitney's eyes kind of wander. Oh, they, they don't kind of wander. They they go straight down to the boobage, <laughs> to the cleavage. And they're like, mm -hmm, girl, yep. And then she tries to bring them back up to kind of fall down again. And she brings them right back up. Oh, my I God. Said, Ooh, Whitney. Oh, you liked you liked you. So. You know what? You're part of the leg booty community. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wonder how Mariah feels about, like, I wonder if Mariah even knows that that trends. <laughs> I'm sure she does. I wonder what Mariah thinks. <laughs> she probably felt the energy. Wow. It seemed like everybody in the industry who was anywhere close to Whitney knew about her and Robin. Yeah. So despite Bobby, <laughs> they knew about Robin. So I'm sure she felt the energy at some at some point. I wonder. I, I don't know if I'm going to include this, but I wonder if like did Whitney do that with other women openly too? I'm sure she did. I'm sure she did. Well, I remember <laughs> like a couple years ago. Was it Mickey Howard? She did an interview where she was yeah. like, and then this massive limousine comes along, and we're all like looking out, and it's Whitney, and she oh, comes wow. out with about seven or eight bodyguards, wow. walks in, and is so sweet, humble, just beautiful. Did our performance and says, why don't you come for dinner with us? We went for dinner. And while I was around the dinner table, she started playing footsie with me under the table. <laughs> like, literally. And, you know, I was from South London at that point. You know, I was yeah. 19. I didn't really know about that kind of footsie <laughs> thing. You know, and I was a bit like, oh. And then my makeup guy said to me, she fancies you. <laughs> 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 Listen. <laughs> like, when that started coming out, I was like, oh my God, what if more stories start coming out? I mean, Whitney Houston, it's oh, Whitney no. Houston. Like, she, she about to get it. I've realized that the stories about her and women 
She's not she's not giving Eddie Murphy vibes, but she's like <laughs> Eddie Murphy vibes. Meaning like like she could catch him. She 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 a player player. She got she got the Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got the moves to like Oh yeah, you want you want to go out to to dinner? All right, bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like Whitney's more of like a dom when it comes to women. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's giving stud energy. Yeah. She's giving yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and but she's like, yes, that, absolutely. Uh, she, I, I love this Whitney. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, yes, you leave I your Carol had... gloves at the counter, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she had applied this energy towards choosing better men in her life. I know, I know. So another part of their press tour as well was doing award show appearances so they went on the vmas together and this is when they had their iconic try it on me moment (laughs) yeah they told me mine was too but you know what what baby fortunately i come prepared for situations like this try it on me (laughs) basically what happens is ben stiller introduces quote the greatest singer in the world and then whitney comes out first and you hear her music and then there's a pause and then Mariah comes out and then you hear her music and it's a pause. The greatest singers in the world. They're both wearing the same brown dress. Nice dress. Yeah. Um, you look pretty good, too. You do? That's a one of a kind, huh? It look, yeah. looks kind of familiar. That, that's what they told me. But then Mariah has a tearaway skirt to change what her dress looked like. And then Whitney has a tearaway skirt to change what hers looks like. And it just like plays into their diva duel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they told me mine once too, but you know what? What, baby? Fortunately, I come prepared for situations like this. Try it on me! <laughs> all right, all right. Because um, I could do it better. Oh, my darling! In recent times, who was it? Dula Peep and uh, Megan Thee Stallion tried to recreate this moment. It's not the same. It's not mm. the same. Mm-mm. But yeah, I love that moment. Try it on me. <laughs> yeah. You look now, good. Now, now, all right, now that's a, a page turner. No, you look good. You look very good. <laughs> Hi, Hi darling. How are you? Love you. Love you too. How you doing? I'm good. Oh, good? We're draping we're all over the microphone. All right. None, None of this matters. None of this matters. Let's get to the presenters. And then um, they also performed at the 1999 Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, so When You Believe was nominated for Best Original Song. And it's a layered meme moment because Jennifer Lopez <laughs> presents and is introduced as, quote, an actress of depth and beauty. An actress of depth and beauty, Jennifer Lopez. Which is really funny considering that Mariah doesn't know her. Do you know each other? No. No. Okay. You, she says you know her. Okay. I know she. You know what? I'm very forgetful. Okay. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, I'm forgetful. Yes. Because I don't remember the fact that it was just like, 
hi, I'm so-and-so, and then move on. And then like, hi, that's it. Right. If I had never had a conversation with you and someone asked me about you, I'd be like, I don't know him, but he seems cool. Right. Or I don't know him. Does she seem cool? I don't know her. And then they win. And the Oscar goes to? Steven Schwartz for When You Believe from The Prince of Egypt. Technically, it's Steven Schwartz who wins, but he wasn't there to accept the award. And then the camera cuts to Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey looking very confused because no one is on stage. And that moment is now a the meme. Look behind. Yeah. Steven Schwartz is very sorry that he cannot be here. He's in rehearsals for a show in New York, but he wishes to express his gratitude to the members of the Academy. Thank you. But which, which live performance do you like more? Oscars or Oprah? Um, Definitely. Yeah, I'm going to go with Oprah. I felt like they sounded better on the Oprah one. Me too. Me too. I think they sound better. Yeah. Yes. It was kind of weird that... Whitney Houston wasn't really looking at Mariah on stage at the Oscars oh, while they were singing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Their interaction wasn't as personal. It wasn't as personal. Yes. Yeah. Um, as mm -hmm. the Oprah one. And I also just like I love the energy of the crowd at the Oprah show because mm. like yeah, you yeah. could just like feel everyone is so excited. Yeah. There's like also a really adorable Whitney moment in that performance because it's so dramatic because like Whitney comes out first and everyone's like what. And, like, oh, Whitney's yeah, singing. Yeah, yeah. and then like as Whitney's finishing her part, Mariah slowly walks out and yeah. like everyone is like <gasps> and they like start to scream. <laughs> and when Mariah is singing, Whitney is smiling. Right. And then she like looks out into the audience and I don't know who she looks at, but there must have been someone who was like really excited to see Whitney and Mariah together. And because she sees that person is so excited, then Whitney gets this huge smile on yeah. her face. And it's like she's excited that they're excited. Right. And we're excited that she's excited. And right. we're all excited. And it's yes. just like the cutest thing ever. And I love that moment so much. There can be And then the last thing I have here is the teetering of Whitney Houston in queer spaces. Let's get it. Up until this point, there were, like we've been saying, lots of rumors regarding Whitney Houston's sexuality. So I just think she always goes on Rosie mm -hmm. for a good chunk of her, her press tours yeah. in the 90s. But I just feel like it's really interesting to watch the way Whitney Houston and Rosie interact in an interview setting, yeah. especially when you remember the tension from the Cinderella right. press tour because Whitney did not show up and then yeah. it led to this whole thing between her and Rosie, but. She will not badmouth me, she will not talk about me anymore. I did not badmouth you, I simply said, if you are sick in the hotel, get in your bathroom, hop in a taxi cab, walk out and, and say, get out here. I'm sick 
and then go home. That is and not bad mouthing. No, and, and, and bad mouthing would have been Whitney Houston stinks. And I, I never said no, that. No, they said Whitney Houston has a problem because she looks horrible on TV. Do you ever sense tension between Whitney and Rosie when they're doing their interviews, particularly the My Love Is Your Love era? Do you feel any kind of like? I don't know, because seeing Whitney Houston in other interview spaces where there's actual big ass tension and it's super noticeable yeah her and rosie is just like a walk in a park yeah 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 it's like after watching or listening to whitney and wendy yeah this is this is tame whitney and rosie so yeah this is tame. yeah oh i saw you look horrible no not you they would have though i wasn't good that day honey i don't think you could look horrible do you own oh, a mirror you don't know yeah you do you, yeah you think you could ever look horrible oh i know ask my husband it's frightening for the average looking people to think the gorgeous people think they look bad. It's very oh, frightening. Yes. You know oh, what I mean? You have to think that. Really? Yes. Yeah, so hmm. that you know what to look better. You know? All like, right. You know. I guess. You can, I... Work, can you work with that? I'll yeah. try. Okay. And then I just have here too that notably Whitney performed at. I have here it's the 13th annual New York City Lesbian and Gay Pride Dance. But it might also be the 1999 MTV Pride Pier Dance. Mm. Whatever case, it was a Pride event. And Whitney Houston showed up, yeah. like, kind of unannounced and performed remixes of It's Not Right But It's Okay and Heartbreak Hotel. One departure from your itinerary, um, when, in fact, the last time I saw you was when you did the Gay Pride Dance in New York, <laughs> which, I mean, that reception you got... Everyone there was just yeah. so into it. it. Must have been Thank great. Thank you. It was incredible. Thank you. They were so warm and kind. I really didn't know what to expect, mm -hmm. but what I, I received was lots of love, mad love. And what's really cool is actually these performances are available on YouTube on her official yeah. YouTube channel. So it was just uploaded this past year. So if you haven't seen those, check it out. It's like literally Whitney Houston in 1999 at a Pride event. cool to think about yeah. because you know this was during a time when especially stars of her stature mm -hmm. it wasn't like the cool thing to do like it is now absolutely you know yeah, to yeah. like connect with the queer community in that way yeah and it's also just interesting that she decided to do this event considering that you know the optics yeah. around her own sexuality were always being called into question so right but i think it's to your credit especially considering the nonsense mm. in terms of tabloid stuff and speculation mm -hmm. and rumors and stuff that mm -hmm. you've dealt with over the years that mm. you would say of course i want to sure. perform at a gay pride event why not sure um it's their pride mm -hmm. that they're celebrating i'm just there to entertain right you know i'm proud of being a mother and a wife and a daughter and a sister and a lover and a friend you know, and I'm sure they're all those things too. Sure. You know, and their I mean? own lives. And their own lives. And we're all God's children. I know what I am, and, and gay I'm not. Right. You know, so therefore, um, you know, performing is my thing. That's what I do. I entertain. I try to make people happy. I, I love that she did it. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest reasons why it was a good move to do it is because she was in the era of these like big remixes yeah you know yeah. and this is the era if you had a big voice and you put out any pop or r&b at the time you had a huge 
club remix uh probably like a david morales remix like right and it was huge in the gay spaces mm-hmm. and if you promoted it right those could go number one on the dance charts. Now you performed that night two remix versions of, of, of two of the singles from this album. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about the importance that remixes have meant to the success of this record? Because they really have. It's about the clubs. Mm-hmm. The clubs are happening. You know, um, people, the gay community keeps them happening. Right. You know, mm-hmm. if your club is banging, if your music is banging in the clubs, you're doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I had a number one dance record. You know, it's been a long time since I had a number one dance record. You know what I mean? You know, like the gay community, they really did support the album. So it's cool that she like showed up to return the favor in that way. Yeah. And I think that also kind of just speaks to a larger relationship that the queer community especially has with divas in general. Yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. So what do you think? Unbelievable for Whitney Houston to come out here and show her support like that for us. What does it mean to have an artist of Whitney's stature performing at at the Pride Dance? It just shows what a big world this is and everybody's concerned about everybody's well-being. Were you surprised? I was surprised. My boyfriend and I are so excited. It's awesome. And this definitely helped her quote-unquote street cred yeah you know yeah she's getting the young kids and then the queer community yeah absolutely absolutely some artists don't really like know how much we care about them and she took time off to come and say hey thank you for supporting me and she gave us a fierce show let's get into the next segment yes video killed the radio star This is the segment where we talk about the music videos from this era. And she has quite a bit yeah. of videos in this era, which, hey, yay. Um, so we're going to list them right now. When You Believe, directed by Phil Jonu, question mark. Yeah. And then literally everything else is directed by Kevin Bray. So Heartbreak Hotel, It's Not Right, But It's Okay. My Love Is Your Love. I Learned From The Best. And If I Told You That remix with George Michael. So we are going to have a in-depth discussion, mm-hmm. not about every video, but of a video of our choosing. So what do you, what video do you choose? I mean, I'm choosing the obvious. I'm choosing, dun, 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 dun. I'm choosing, it's not right, but it's okay. <laughs> I was like, what is the obvious out of these choices? <laughs> it's not right, but it's okay. The giver of memes. Yes, yes. Basically, the premise for this video is Whitney Houston is holding a women-scorned UN meeting. Mm-hmm, basically. I don't know where Whitney Houston is in this music video. She's like in a black void. Have you ever seen Stranger <laughs> she, Things? Yes. <laughs> you know, like that those parts of Stranger uh, Things where like they go inside the mind and it's just like a black void. Yeah. Like they should cut to the next black void and it will be Whitney Houston in this music video. Like I don't know where that all she is in this video. And the song starts. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see her. She is sitting at a clear table with her sleek bob and she has like a black dominatrix kind of dress with a black choker and she wears a velvet red version of that in the heartbreak hotel video Mm -hmm. which i did not notice until this research time but yeah she's sitting and whitney is acting okay she's giving like savannah the drinks are on you (laughs) energy from waiting to exhale right 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 look i'm not mad Really? Neither am I, baby. I'm not mad. And to prove it, 
The drinks are on you. Damn it. The camera slowly pulls in as she is setting up her word problem. And she's doing all these gestures. The mathematician is mathematizing. Mathematizing. And if you watch a lot of Whitney Houston music videos, you will notice a Whitney Houston-ism is that she is the queen of indication. Like, if she says the word you, she's going to point to you. If she says the word me, she's going to point to herself. Mm -hmm. I love the part in the video when she's like, there's no more tears left here for you to see because she, like, does this motion with her, her hand where she, like, kind of touches her face like where the tears would fall you're like oh, yeah indicating yeah. and then like at some points in the video too you see like dancers that appear behind her right in military gear the lights are pulsating and there's women scorned singing along with her yeah where are these women now they must have amounted to greatness does whitney know they're even there oh i don't gosh. know But all of Whitney's gestures are meme worthy. Oh, I I love this video so much. Yes. It's so uh, braggadocious in terms of the way that she looks. Yeah. Right? The fashion is just, it's just like, damn, Whitney Houston, the diva. Okay. Diva legend. Diva legend. Like, this is really her diva era. Like, Mm -hmm. I know we have the bodyguard and that is like the classic diva. But this era is literally the braggadocious diva. Like, yeah, I'm that bad bitch. Yeah. And what? Mm-hmm. What you gonna say about it? I feel like her look in this video is like one of her most iconic looks. Absolutely. Like Halloween is, well, at the time recording this, Halloween is coming up. But if you like saw someone dressed right, like she's dressed in this video, you're like, oh, you're Whitney Houston. And it's not right, but it's okay. Like it's, right. one, it's like a very iconic look. Yeah. And I love how simple the video is. It's like simplify. Angry women. Mm-hmm. Angry women, military women dancing. Whitney. Exactly. Word problems. <laughs> word problems. Whitney, word problems. <laughs> Talking to yourself. Acapella. And no one's there. <laughs> well. Yeah, what's your video? My video is Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, that's a good I one too. I freaking love this video so much. So much. Yeah. Okay. First of all, when I I keep saying braggadocious, but this video is so fucking braggadocious. Uh-huh. Her and her damn fur coat. Yeah, okay, she's wealthy. Like, she is. She's a wealthy diva who's going through heartbreak. Okay, she's coming off of the the private jet. Yeah, going into like a nice ass fancy car. Yes, you know she has her fur. She got the fur on. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like. She's just a bad bitch. Yeah. But she's heartbroken. I know. You know? But she got her girls with her. And she got her girls with her. Okay? Mm-hmm. You know? And they look amazing in the video as well. Yeah. But I love the the scene where she's on the beach. Yeah. It's like you said. There's two scenes. The one where she is wearing the red with the choker on the beach. A look. A look. Okay? And then you see it throughout the video, but towards the end, she takes off that fur. Oh my God. She like delivers it to the ocean. Just drops it in the ocean. I said, okay. Oh my God. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of like in Prince of Egypt when they send Moses (laughs) down the river. (laughs) Her Moses is this fur coat. She's like delivering it to the ocean. (laughs) I love the, um, like the art direction. Again, I know I keep saying this, but up until this point, we never got 
braggadocious Whitney Houston, right? Like I'm wealthy Whitney Houston. It was very like, I might be wealthy, but we're going to do the, like the Diana Ross and the Supremes. Like we're going to keep it, you know, she's more demure, demure. Yes. It's a way more chill energy about it. And now she's out here. She's like, bitch, I got this fur on. We in this, this white room in this hotel. Like, I love the fact that she's wearing chanclas. Like she got the little sandals on. (laughs) (laughs) The whole get up. All right. But also I say that I love the art direction because this could be applied to it's not right, but it's okay as well. Uh Uh, For a lot of these videos, the storyline of the video could have easily had characters Mm-hmm. that could have insinuated that she's talking about her own life. Mm-hmm. And especially with everything that was going on at the time, it's honestly a risk to do a video for it's not right, but it's okay. And heartbreak hotel yeah. in the midst of all this drama with your husband yeah. and rumors of like cheating allegations, drugs, all of this stuff. Right. And you're dropping songs like this. Yeah. But then doing videos that have nothing to do with him yeah. was a super smart move. That's a great point. Super smart move. And I think the braggadocious nature of the videos help with that. Right. Because you're like, damn, oh, she a bad bitch. She's a diva. Oh, look at her. Oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, because she like solely leans into her diva persona yes. that has nothing to do with him. Yeah. And so you're just focused on like, oh my God, look at Whitney Houston, you know? Exactly, exactly. And I think that's what made all these videos even like getting into like when you believe it's it's leaning into the divas yeah the divas are singing together yeah you know? yeah exactly like you said it it definitely helps take away from us remembering like oh that's whitney houston yelling at bobby brown yeah whitney houston yeah oh this is whitney houston diva whitney houston mm-hmm. you know yeah totally that's a really great point so, yeah that's that's such a good point you made yeah and i love too. like i think it also helps that all of her videos for the most part were directed by one guy exactly because they all kind of like have a very like similar aesthetic and look exactly it's like oh we're about to have fun yeah 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 so moving on what song do you wish got a music video and what is the treatment for that video so this is this is hard because like a good chunk of the songs from this album got videos and yeah. I feel like those are the ones that should have gotten videos. Like I don't think she should have done any more. Yeah. Um but if she had to do another one, I chose I was made to love him. Mm. And I mm. am going to pull an Angie and I'm going to say there should be like a candid moment. <sighs> kind of video because (laughs) this is kind of like a throwback song an homage to her youth first i think i would actually have the guy that directed the one you believe Mm. video because you know how like in that video there's like interspersed candid moments like behind the scenes and like Yeah. yeah so i would have him come back because the premise of the video would essentially be like whitney going back to nork Mm. reconnecting with her like hometown and her roots because she's a Jersey girl so um, there would just be like footage essentially of Whitney going to East Orange in New Jersey because that's where Whitney is from right and maybe you could like see her like going to that house on Dodd Street and maybe going to the Dunkin Donuts where she would like yell at the employee who didn't know how to make strawberry milkshakes properly 
that was a very niche reference <laughs> to robert's funny. book um and then you could also like see her like walking the halls of her high school yeah and this idea is like kind of cheesy but you know in 1997 she actually had her childhood elementary school renamed after her it was oh. called the whitney e houston academy for performing and creative arts so i think it'd be cool if you showed whitney visiting that school mm -hmm. interacting with the kids and then it would be cool if lauren hill came Ooh. to the school like a lauren hill cameo in mm -hmm. the video because she produced the song and you know this is like the miseducation of lauren hill era so the kids will obviously be like really excited to see lauren hill and like lauren hill is from jersey too yeah and it fits lauren's image at the time because like school theme so yeah, it's just like a really like loose video concept, but it's more of like seeing the real Whitney being regular with her community, you know? So that's, if I had to choose, I would I would do that. But I really think like they nailed it pretty much on the video front. But what about like you? Um, no, you win that. You're like, I actually you, had the same thing. You, <laughs> you absolutely win that, especially oh. with the Lauren cameo. Okay. Um, no, because I was honestly going to say, I, I want to say I only did this one other time. Oh, you're, you're not going to do a, a video. The songs that got videos got videos. Exactly. After that, we're in the second half of the, the album and it's just mm, meh. Yeah, Go exactly. Go listen to the first two parts. Yeah. <laughs> it's just meh. It's just meh. You're, so you're, you don't want to do a video for Oh Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it, but then I was like, realistically the cameo would be from bobby brown yeah and i don't want that at all <laughs> but what i want what i wish for is a oh yes with robin as a cameo oh my god <laughs> that would be oh my lanta oh my god i don't know well i mean it wouldn't be the first robin cameo in a music video it wouldn't but it, it would be the robin oh god cameo. <laughs> okay in angie's alternate universe in the AU of Whitney's life. <laughs> yes. If Whitney and Robin were able to be together, then I would say, oh, yes. Wow. Would be the video and Robin would be the cameo. Mm -hmm. And they would just like, you know how like Will Smith and Jada. Lord. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but like their late 90s, they did like late 90s, early 2000s videos together. Yeah. And it was just so freaking cute. I want that. Okay. From Whitney and Robin. Okay. That's okay. So, oh, yes. <laughs> with Robin. <laughs> This is like in an alternate universe uh, where like homophobia does not exist. <laughs> That's Angie's answer. I think I won that. Okay. Uh, so. so Angie, Angie won in an alternate universe, not this universe. Yeah, you won in this universe. I won in the alternate. Yes. You know. Oh my god. So the next segment is a hard one. This one is the mic is on, okay? It's not Memorex. I go on stage and my microphone is on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Live performances are a huge part of an era. So in this segment, we're going to share our favorite performance from this era that we think you should check out. Yes. Oh my goodness. Because this is Whitney Houston. She is the queen of live, mm. live performances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So this is a really rough uh, segment. But what do you choose? This is the most difficult the mic is on for me mm -hmm. that we've ever done. Because like, even though Whitney was not like in her vocal prime anymore, there's still a lot of great 
with the live performances. I mean, like the fact that I even asked you what was your favorite live performance between the Oscars and Oprah of When You Believe, like that was me sneakily getting to talk about that. Right, right. I could have easily put that (laughs) here. Gosh. And there's just like, there's so many like Whitney isms that she has Mm -hmm. during like the live performance era of For My Love Is Your Love. Like every time she performs My Love Is Your Love and gets to the part where it's like sing mommy. Yeah. And she closes her eyes. She puts the hand to her ear so she could hear Bobby Christina. Like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you have the moment when like Wyclef joins her on stage at the AMAs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's like rapping really fast and she tells him to like slow down. And he's like, I can't because I'm rapping with the number one diva. <laughs> and then she's like, I can sing a blood. I love that. Oh, it's so hard. I'm a little nervous. I'm on stage with the number one diva. Coco Cabana, who at no Omas, Kenna, my grandma, Slamma, Andy Cruz, who choose to do. Do you rap? Oh, no, uh-huh. but I can sing a flow. Everybody stand up. Yeah, oh, also, I just have here before I answer your question. Like, I didn't realize how many of her live performances she has where she was able to perform with the features that she had on the album. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah, Whitney yeah. Mariah, there's lots of Whitney, Faith Evans, and Kelly Price. There's yeah. Whitney and Wycliffe and even Babyface. Like, I think that's really cool because you don't normally see that from an artist. So, yeah. But again, they were part of like the marketing for this album. But what if I was like, my favorite is Whitney Houston rehearsing If I Told You That with her background singers in Whitney Can I Be Me? No. Um, <laughs> that would be fair. But that is good too. <laughs> I would. That would be fair. One, two, hear her it's not right but it's okay at the brit awards 1999 okay okay because i i really like it because to me i feel like it's such a clean solid performance Mm. i love that she's wearing the outfit from the video like imagine if you were a fan of the video right (laughs) and you're at this performance and then whitney houston comes out wearing the dominatrix dress from the video like i would (laughs) catapult into the sky i love that the stage is flooded in purple lighting because it's whitney and i's favorite color thank you for that whitney and her background dancers are killing it yeah in the background like they are doing a really good job and when i watch this performance i just love how much energy she has in my notes i have here she seems well rested like not frantic chaotic energy but it's like good energy and every time i watch this i really like I just, I feel like Bobby Brown must have been somewhere else. Like, Mm. he must have not been with her. Because she just feels so, like, focused and well-rested. Not, like, the chaotic energy she has when Bobby Brown would be performing on stage with her during the tour. Like, it's just, like, there to kill it. Yeah. And she's, like, so vocally there. She sounds great. Yeah. She's moving. Yeah. She does, like, 
subtle execution of the bits of choreography Mm. and oh my god when she picks up the train of her dress and walks across the stage it just really excites me (laughs) you said that that small detail right there that (laughs) that doesn't when she like picks up that train of the dress she just kind of like starts grooving on stage i'm like yeah girl you may not be Janet, but you can move your shoulders. Oh my gosh. Then they hung out. But you came home around three. Yes, you did. If six of y'all went out, uh, then four of you are gonna cheat. Yeah, there's only two of you had dinner. It's not right, but it's okay at the Brittle Boards. Oh, and I also love, I love too, at the very end, there's like a big explosion. <laughs> you said yes, Pyro. It reminds me of the Spice Girls Brit Awards performance the year or oh, the year or two before. Yes, yes, yes. yes. When they perform um, Who Do You Think You Are at the end, there's like a big, <laughs> and that's exactly what happens at the end of this performance. There's a big, <laughs> What's yours? You better choose a good one. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna. Oh, are you gonna cheat? You're gonna. No, no, no. I'm not gonna cheat. Oh. But I'm gonna say a little backstory situation is it was hard for me to choose. <laughs> you guys, she got some scissors. Not sure to choose the right. Before... No pressure to choose the right performance. No, it was genuinely hard to try to figure out which performance to choose. Yeah. So. This is like a super random one. Oh, okay. And this one was at Sopot Festival in Poland. Oh, you're going like a tour, like from one of her tour performances? Yes. So Sopot Festival in 1999. Okay. In Poland until you come back. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought you were going to choose a song that's not even on the album. Oh, no. (laughs) I thought you were going to do one of those. Saving. (laughs) You're like when she performed... um, There was an Aretha song that she was covering during this time. I oh, think, yeah, what, yeah. Was it, uh, it's from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Yeah. It Hurts So Bad, I think. Yes. Yes. It's something like that. I thought you were going to, because that's a favorite amongst the Whitney stands. They're like, we loved when she did that. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to pull one of those. I thought about cheating like that. Um, yeah. But I thought better of it because I didn't want to die by scissors. Um, but <laughs> I picked this rendition of the song yeah because first of all it starts off so the song that she sings right before it is saving all my love for you and this version of saving all my love it's super slow yeah it's tender it's almost jazzy Hold 
sudden it bumps into it's like that first just the way she eases through the song then you walk out the door but I can't rest until you see I'm forever yours and boy I won't stop at nothing that she had got a chance to do a jazz album yeah because oh my my freaking gosh like oh see and we and we talked about that yeah in our album review it was specifically on when we were talking about until you come back yeah underrated gem in her discography underrated yeah she just felt like she was so in her music element and with her vocals deteriorating the way that they were like this was like a perfect song to showcase her vocals as is Mm -hmm. it was a reminder like oh this is this is Whitney Houston right she's still that bitch yeah anytime you you watch or listen to Whitney Houston perform live that's when you're reminded this is why Whitney Houston is Whitney Houston right you know and I would say like to your point in this performance too she seemed calmer it was just like the calm, like I'm in control. Yeah. Like everything else in her life kind of disappeared for that moment. Yeah. She's on stage and it's like, Whitney. No way. I want to see the receipts. Here we go. Show me the receipts. This is the segment where we just talk about the stats of the album. Yeah. And Stat Queen is going to break it down for you. Let's go, Steffi. Let's go, Whitney. So, My Love Is Your Love was released on November 17th, 1998. And that particular day was known as Super Tuesday because more than 10 major pop acts issued new CDs on the single day. So it made it the heaviest release date at that time. So along with Whitney Houston coming out with new music, you had Garth Brooks, you had Mariah Carey, 
you had Jewel, you had Method Man, you had The Offspring, and you had Seal. Oh, my Lanta. This mm-hmm. is... Oh, shiznit. An out-of-the-box hit is what some were expecting with the November 98 release of My Love Is Your Love, Whitney's first non-soundtrack album in eight years, even though it was going up against some pretty stiff competition. But surprisingly, even with very positive reviews, when the chart numbers came out, the diva's debut was no higher than number 13. The album entered and peaked at number 13 on the Billboard 200, which was the lowest chart position at that time for Whitney. And Whitney, like in the later half of the era, was asked about the initial early disappointing chart placement. And she talked about how she would rather her album kind of enter at a low so it had the opportunity to like steadily grow. Right. Was there disappointment on your part when those first numbers, the first week's numbers came out and you know, and everyone was kind of handicapped? How's she gonna come in, you know, versus Mariah and Jewel and Method Man and, and all these people? Mm-mm. No? No, nope, because um, I'm still on the charts. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And that's all I have to say. The album has got legs, as they say. And I like it. I don't, you know, if you start here, where'd he go? Right. I like it here. Mm-hmm. So then it can start to climb. It can do its thing. I don't want to make a record tomorrow again. I already did that. Right. I want it to last. I want it to go into next summer. And she was right Mm -hmm. because the album did steadily grow over time. It ended up being present on the charts for over a year and it was there for like 75 weeks. That's crazy. So in terms of um, album sales, like yes, initially it did sell 123,000 copies in its first week, which, you know, people thought was disappointing because it's Whitney Houston. Um, But it eventually became a commercial success with all of the promo she was doing with the tour and the appearances and the live performances because she she did a lot. (laughs) Clive Davis put her to work in this era. And so by 1999, the album was four times platinum and it sold 2.75 million copies. That's crazy. The album also ended up doing a lot better in Europe, like we said previously, and it was largely because of her european leg Mm -hmm. of the my love is your love tour it was the second best-selling album of 1999 in europe and it was the highest grossing arena tour in 1999 in europe so they loved whitney over there it's hotter over here than it is in the states but i don't mind so much because i know that i have somewhere to work toward i have somewhere to go where everybody's coming in they're hitting the number ones and they fly out we'll see you later bye you know well mine's staying i got staying power that's what i want i want staying power i don't want that fly by night mess And then in terms of her singles, so she had like five singles from this era. They were all successful. All were top 40 Billboard Hot 100 hits and three were in the top five. Whitney was actually very close to getting another number one single with Heartbreak Hotel, but it peaked at number two and it was stopped by a share when you believe. That was a a massive massive song. And then in terms of awards, you know, she was nominated for, you know, Billboard Music Awards, AMAs, and the Brits. Specifically looking at the Grammys, she was nominated for four. The album was technically nominated for seven. And that's because of the songwriters. Yeah, yeah. So she doesn't get, you know, 
credit for that. But she, Whitney Houston, was nominated for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals for When You Believe, um, Best R&B Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group for Heartbreak Hotel, and then Best R&B Album for My Love Is Your Love. And she ends up winning, like we said earlier, for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance with It's Not Right But It's Okay. And what's really interesting is that this was the first time she ever won in this category. She was previously nominated six times for Best Female R&B Vocal mm-hmm. Performance, but she never won. And by her winning, you know, this Grammy for It's Not Right, But It's Okay, this would make it her sixth and final Grammy win. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> well, you say it like that. It's just... It's like, that's the final. That was it. Well, let's get to... The impact and closing thoughts. What do you think the the impact and legacy is of this album and its era? So the first legacy I think of My Love Is Your Love that I really think I more so discovered with researching is this album is a great example of a established legendary artist like Whitney collaborating with younger artists that were like at the top of their career at this at this time and that's probably like my favorite takeaway Mm. from my love is your love is just seeing how supportive whitney was with the young producers and artists she got to work with like i said earlier she spoke really positively about every single one of them and you could tell like she was super proud and even though that was definitely like a selling point for the album, like that's what makes you want to buy the album, like it did for me at least, it felt like it was coming from a very genuine place. The newer generation of young producers I wanted to tap into, and that was Missy and Wyclef and Rodney for the most part, and Lauren. I was so pleasantly surprised, but, and, but so elated that these young, young people, African-Americans are so diligent and so prepared and so so correct and so strong in their music and their convictions it made me proud to be to be with them really i love that she probably was thinking in her own head i want to be generous with these younger artists in a way that maybe when she was that young artist Mm -hmm. the older divas were that generous with her right you know yeah yeah you could look up like brandy talking about whitney or monica talking about whitney or like any of those young girls at that time especially talking about whitney they have like nothing but nice things to say about her and i think that's just like a testament to the kind of person that whitney houston was meeting her in person too she was always so kind and so warm and she didn't have to be and many times when you meet your idol they're not that way and i remember her being such a bright light also to me as an upcoming singer and that meant everything to me and she stopped the interview sang to us talked to us was like oh i'm gonna give y'all my number if y'all need anything just hit me up i'm auntie whitney i'm auntie whitney you ever need anything i got you just the sweetest woman a woman of her word i think something resonated with her to see me in so much pain to lose my grandmother to lose my cousin and to witness the suicide that was just a lot and that's when she really swept in like the fairy godmother that she always was to many of us There was a really interesting story that I found of like Kelly Price 
talking about doing sound check with Whitney and Faith Evans for the Rosie show. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I guess someone from Arista had approached Kelly Price and was like, you're being really disrespectful by trying to outsing Whitney. Right. And when Whitney found out about this, she stood up. I can remember being on the set of the Rosie O'Donnell show and we were singing Heartbreak Hotel and we were in sound check. In between takes, I've been approached from a staff member from Arista Records who told me that it was disrespectful of me to, on Whitney's stage, try to outdo her. And so when we ran the song again, I scaled it all the way down and literally in the middle of the song, Whitney stopped and said, what's going on? Kelly, what's wrong with you? And I whispered in her ear, I said, well, somebody told me that I was doing too much and I kind of needed to pull back and I just don't want to be, who told you you're doing too much? Who told, I said, mm -mm. I want to know who told you, who told her? And Jeff told her. She told that individual from Arista Records that they were to leave, that they weren't welcome there, that she didn't appreciate them disrespecting me in that manner, that I was her guest. But not only was I her guest, but I was an artist and I deserved to be treated with the same level of respect that she was treated with. She was like, me? Don't you ever, <laughs> don't you ever. Whitney doesn't need to do that. Right. But again, that just goes to show like how, how much she respected the fact that yeah. these younger artists who looked up to her were you know showing up for her like she respected them yeah. too you know and i just think that's really really cool so that'd be my first one hmm. did you enjoy the whole experience of this album mm, yeah i made a lot of great friends i mean younger generation you know but very old souls i'm very proud of them all i i did pretty good in my career <laughs> I did good. this is the era where Whitney Houston reminded people who she was. Yeah. In the music lane. Mm -hmm. Um, outside of her acting. Yeah. And even with the tour, that tour, I highly suggest people go sit and watch that tour. Yeah. You could go on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Go sit and watch it. That is a phenomenal tour. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a good show. It's a really good show. So I just feel like the the impact, one of the biggest impacts of this album is just the reminder that she is that bitch. Mm -hmm. Like, she's a bad bitch. Right. Right. Yeah. And not that she necessarily needed to remind people, but in a sense she did because of all the craziness that was happening where she's just like, no, I'm still this amazing artist. Let me show you guys. Right. You know, and amidst all of this adversity that's going on in her life, her trying to rise above right and deliver and still be Whitney Houston totally yeah like I, I have here is like my final point for like the legacy of this album is I genuinely believe like this is the last solid album and era yeah for Whitney Houston before things get like really really bad yeah and even though like I still stand by what I said about this album like I think the back half is kind of spotty like the first half has some of her best material mm -hmm. and most iconic up-tempo bops like it's not right but it's okay it's one of the most popular Whitney songs still yeah and I think for the most part like she comes off very well in her interview she's like very accessible she gave us looks there's meme worthy moments like there's so much that you can get from yeah. this era and I think this is kind of the last era where for the most part it seems like Whitney Houston still wanted it yeah yeah do you think that was partly because people were taking a while to get used to the new this, this new sound maybe? I think that it's that and that people that um, bought Whitney Houston before for the all at once and the dimmy almost have it alls and the greatest love of alls you know they kind of they miss it 
It's just, you know, you can't be in the 60s when it's the 70s, or the 70s when it's the 90s. You have to be in it to win it. So, you know, I have to play with the game, you know, do what I gotta do. <laughs> Plus maintain the same what I tried to maintain before. She like technically was successful in this era because if the goal was to reinvent herself, like she succeeded. She absolutely did. Now she knows what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just happening now. Yeah. I want to see the new stuff, Heartbreak Hotel. I want to see the outfit. Oh, she's my idol. I love Whitney Houston. She's the best out. Well, finish this sentence. Whitney Houston's My Love Is Your Love is the album that blank. Oh my God. Okay. I have like, oh, this is a lot. Okay. So oh my gosh. I have here... Whitney Houston's My Love Is Your Love is the album that I have a complicated relationship with mm. because revisiting the My Love Is Your Love album and era has been a journey for me. And I feel like I have a lot of like personal projections onto it, mm. which is why I feel a bit sour about it. Right. But then I was thinking like, it makes sense why I feel this way about the album because to bring it full circle, like we talked about in episode one of this discussion, like my true entry point into the My Love Is Your Love like album and era as an adult was watching how it played out in that Whitney Can I Be Me doc. Right, right. And when you're watching it in that documentary, it's like kind of chaotic. Yeah. But I'm now realizing like that for the most part, it is a successful album and era for Whitney. Like we already said, just revisiting the interviews and promos she was doing at that time was so exciting. Like, I wish I got to experience this album and era as an adult and not like a five-year-old. Like, I, when I was watching right. her interviews, I felt like I was genuinely transported back to 1998 and 1999. Right. I was like, this is great. This is amazing. Whitney Houston's on top. Yeah. But, you know, I think personally, I think it's marred because one, we know what's around the corner. Mm-hmm. Two, like, I will call myself out and say, like, I may have been unfairly comparing her to her other diva counterparts. Mm. And I have here, like, the relationship analogy. Like, I can't be mad that someone isn't doing something that they never did in the first place. You know? Yeah. Like, if you get, okay, if we're going to continue with the relationship analogy. It's like, if you start dating someone and then other people are like, but they don't, they don't cook. Right. What are you going to do? And you're like, well, that's fine. Like, he's great. He doesn't have to cook. Right. But then like five years into the relationship, you look around all of your friends, like their husbands or significant others are like cooking for them. And then you look at him and you're like, what the fuck? How come you don't cook? Right. And he's like, well, right. um, that was never a problem when we started dating. Right. Exactly. So that's like kind of how I like I know I was kind of being hard on Whitney with like, mm. I wish you would have wrote more songs and taken more creative control. Yeah. But she never was doing that to begin with. So I'll call myself out on that. And, you know, again, like I said, it's it's a bit marred because of Whitney Can I Be Me, seeing all the behind the scenes chaos. Yeah. And then I guess if I could continue. So continue. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a bit of a tangent, but it does connect to Whitney. So I've been like really into Todd Haynes movies as of mm. late. Like I've been like going through a lot of his films and I've been listening to a lot of his interviews. And he was talking about this idea that like identity is destabilizing. Mm. It's not fixed. And maybe there are essences of you that are consistent, but your identity is going to fluctuate over time. And there's mm. going to be periods where you lean into certain aspects and maybe other periods where you pull away for whatever reason. Yeah, You know, we're like obviously meant to evolve here on Earth. And I think if you're looking at that idea through a pop culture lens, I think that's why a lot of us are so fascinated with pop artists yeah. because their evolution 
in terms of their identity is magnetized and dramatized and it's very like theatrical and i think a lot of people they may not see whitney houston in that lens because her her transformation isn't as dramatic as someone like a madonna or like a michael jackson but to me i think that's why whitney is so fascinating is because of this idea of identity I feel like throughout her life and career, there's been so many times where she's been pushed and pulled in terms of her identity. And I think in terms of like the my love is your love era, she's navigating like so many facets of her identity that she either has to play up to or or run against. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, looking at her in the context of like a female artist and she's being asked all these questions about like diva, diva, diva. What does it mean to be a diva? Are you happy with being called a diva? And then from like a racial identity standpoint, like her as a black woman being asked, like, how's it feel to be making more like urban hip hop music? Like that kind of feels a bit like a loaded question. And then you have like the age issue because she's an established artist. So being asked like, what does it feel like to work with like younger artists and producers at the time when music is changing? She's being asked about being a working a mom. What's it like touring as a mother? Being a married woman, having to answer for her husband's actions in a way that she never really had to before Bobby. And of course, like her sexual identity, like the rumors and speculation about all of that. So ultimately, I feel like My Love is Your Love is the perfect example of like Whitney constantly figuring out how to be Whitney. Like, Whitney, can I be me? Hmm. And that's why I think this era and album feels so complicated for me. Because you can't really draw a simple conclusion or find a simple answer. Right. But maybe that's why I have a newfound appreciation because it's so complicated. Mm. That was really like intense. And I feel like I like made this more (laughs) heady than it had to be. But this is Whitney. This is my girl. So I'm going to go there. Yeah, yeah. my my sentence is not as long. Yeah, mine was like a fucking thesis. So go ahead. <laughs> Said dissertation. Let's, let's go. Do it. <laughs> um, but Whitney Houston's "My Love Is Your Love" is the album that leaves a bittersweet taste behind for me. Mm-hmm. I honestly, it, it feels like this is a great era. It for is. Her. It is. When we talk about Whitney Houston's music videos. This is the era that I will go to. Surprisingly, she was not like this video queen, you know, in an era of MTV, in the era of like music videos were second to her vocals because she could get on stage and and produce and, you know, deliver Uh vocally, you know. Uh This was a great era, but also this was the beginning of the end. Yeah. Whether it's Clive Davis, Robin, we're leading into the, honestly, the more horrific side of her relationship with Bobby Brown. Yeah. She's going to lean more into drugs. Right. Sylvia is about to dip to the incoming of Pat Houston. Like everything changes so dramatically. And this is the end of Whitney Houston as we know her. Right. And so it's hard to listen to this album knowing the end Mm -hmm. you know and how devastating the end is Mm -hmm. especially when you're actually listening to the song my love is your love i know and she gets to that verse where she's like if i should die this very day don't cry and i talked about this in the other episodes but it just hits heavier because it's just like damn you were on top and it fell hard and there was nobody really there to like help pick you up 
like this was the last of how we we knew her yeah you know yeah it's not only the beginning of the end for whitney and i think this makes it more devastating it's also also the beginning of the end for bobby christina i know which is so sad there's some cruel coincidence that both whitney and bobby christina are on my loves your love the track yeah yeah if tomorrow is judgment day Sing, mommy. And I'm standing on the front line And the Lord asked me what I did with my life I will say I spent it with you If I wake up in World War III Destruction and poverty And I feel like I want to go home It's okay If you're coming with me long much needed journey through the my love is your love album era how do you feel getting through all of this you know i will say this might sound overly sentimental but every time we like finish doing episodes i do feel a certain sense of like emotional attachment to the diva that we were talking about yeah but i'm like oh my god you're gonna have to let go of whitney now <laughs> Don't worry, she won't so, be going for it too long. It sounds so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to her soon. Cause oh, my God. One thing about you, you're going to bring up a Whitney. I'm going to figure out a way yes. to bring up Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, 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 I feel very happy that we got to talk about Whitney and My Love is Your Love, especially since, like, you know, I feel like it's been such a journey going through Mariah's yeah. Butterfly and Janet's Velvet Rope and Madonna's Ray of Light. Like this was like we've been waiting to get to Whitney. Yeah. And I know some people might be looking at how long it took for us to cover My Love is Your Love and be like, uh, right. that was a bit excessive. But listen, there was a lot that happened for Whitney in that era. Yeah. And one of your hosts is a Whitney stan. So do you Listen, expect anything less? I don't think it's excessive. I, think I think so. this is what was needed for this album. Yeah. Because yeah. it was such a humongous era. And to be fair, Whitney doesn't have as many albums as her other diva counterparts. So Period. take that into consideration. Period. <laughs> so let's preview what's about to happen for next week's episode. So you guys, we've been doing albums for quite some time now this pretty much became a music podcast yeah it did for the last like two years two seasons right yeah so we're gonna we're gonna take a break from the music and we're gonna go back to the roots yes and get back to the movies and you guys we are gonna start our holiday movie journey and we are going to start off with one of my all-time favorite holiday films 
<laughs> an absolute classic. <laughs> okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Marley. I'm Ebony. I'm Terry. And we are Desire. Miss Vanessa Williams about to do her thing. A Diva's Christmas Carol. Merry Christmas, everybody. How you doing? We're Desire. And we got a song for you. I know you guys are excited because <laughs> it has to be y'all's classic too. <laughs> it's my classic. It's y'all's classic. <laughs> oh my God. So we are starting this thing right. A Diva's Christmas Carol. Okay. <laughs> you guys, we are going to, we are going to go on a Christmas Carol journey. Oh my, oh my if gosh. you will. <laughs> <laughs> that was so annoying. <laughs> It may not be the first time you hear of a carol this <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. my god. I I I laid the seeds because I I brought up Todd Haynes in this episode. You did. You did. So you guys, everything comes full circle. Well, on that note, Steffi, can you give the the listeners your socials? Um, if you want to talk more about Whitney with me, which I'm always happy to do, I'm at INN underscore MHO on Twitter slash X, Instagram, um, and in my humble opinion on YouTube. And if you want to talk with me about anything, Mariah, Janet, anybody, you can hit me up on Twitter at Poetry Soul 3 and on Instagram at Angie.Simone. And if you want to find this podcast on other places, like on social media, at Diva Daily's Pod on Instagram and Twitter, TikTok and Threads, email us at DivaDailiesPod at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate and review, subscribe, and leave a review, please. We love reviews. Leave a review and reach out to us and we're going to give you a shout out on the pod. Thank you for listening. We really do appreciate it, especially after this, this long, extensive deep dive into Whitney Houston. And we really appreciate your time and continue support for the pod. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We love you, Whitney. We love you, Whitney. Miss Houston is number one. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Whitney, I want to walk in your shoes. Miss Houston is number one. <laughs> I want to walk in your shoes. Miss Houston is number one. Well, and on that note, until the next one, and remember divas. I just realized they're going to hear more Whitney as the outro plays out. (laughs) (laughs) So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does.